It's the 4th of October, 2022. This is episode 12, season two of the More Math for More People podcast. Cheers. Hello, everyone. I'm Misty. And I'm Joel. And this is the More Math for More People podcast, brought to you by CPM Educational Program. On this podcast, we discuss the CPM curriculum, trends in math education, and share strategies to shift instructional practices to create a more inclusive and student-centered classroom. We also highlight upcoming CPM professional learning opportunities and have conversations with math educators about how they do what they do. And we always try to have a little bit of fun and laughter as well. Indeed we do. So come and find out what shenanigans we're up to on this episode. Boom. All right, it's October 4th. What day is it today? Well, it is a Tuesday, but it is also National Taco Day. So it's national, I guess it would be National Taco Tuesday Day. <gasps> yes, not <laughs> National Taco Tuesday Day. National Taco Tuesday. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> National Taco Day, though. <laughs> National yep. Taco Day yep. on a Tuesday. Yep. Sweet. Yep. Yep. Well, we should go. Well, we should go get tacos. Yay. Okay, bye. <laughs> we're out. <laughs> no, no, we're kidding. We'll get tacos later. While you're listening to the podcast, you could go get a Love it. Uh, we should not eat tacos while we're recording the podcast. No, that I, I don't think listeners. Well, you can you can let us know, but I don't think listeners would appreciate the. The no. eating podcast at all. Terrible. I know. What do you think the most popular taco filling is? Uh, chicken. Carne asada. Oh, yeah. that's beef. Yep. Uh, okay. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell an embarrassing story Uh-oh. about tacos. Okay. I don't. I hope I I might have told this on the podcast before. I don't know. Okay. I told this story many times. So when I was a kid, yes, we would have tacos. And my brother and my dad would put like taco sauce. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a long time ago. There were not very many kinds of taco sauce, you know, so they just put taco sauce on their tacos. And I didn't, I still didn't, but even as a child, but I still don't, I don't like spicy food. So I didn't like the taco right. sauce because it was spicy. Okay. But I wanted to put something on my taco. So I put ketchup mm-hmm. on my taco. Mm-hmm. So I would have, you know, the cheese and then I'd put the meat because we had, it was always just hamburger meat that we put, you know, yep, yep. chili powder and all the other stuff in. And then I would put some, just a little bit of ketchup. <laughs> and then I'd put the lettuce and the tomatoes, because that's all we had. All right, all right, <laughs> all very right. simple tacos when I was a kid. The lettuce and the tomatoes. And even to this day, like, it's like, if I eat just a, just a ground beef taco, mm-hmm. like I have this like kind of craving for the ketchup. Hmm. But I don't have it with other kinds of beef, I, like I, braised beef yeah. or carne or chicken or pork or anything else. It's just the beef tacos. Interesting. I bet it's delicious. I, I would not even think of reaching for the ketchup bottle. Uh, I mean, the <laughs> it, it was like, oh, I want to have taco sauce also. So yeah, I put taco, yeah, you know, yeah. I put ketchup. It's, you know, it, it as it's definitely a sweet mixed in with the savory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind yeah. Of a, I can see a thing. that. Which you know I do like sweet and savory, so yeah, I uh, probably a mixing of culture gonna, and re- regions. And... I'm not going to say that I still eat tacos with ketchup because mm-hmm. I just generally don't eat. I don't eat ground beef like I would eat okay. other kinds of tacos if I had a taco. 
In fact, there's a place really close to my house. It's called Tight Tacos. And they have quesa tacos that are delicious. And what's in a quesa taco? I assume so. It's cheese. like it's like well, so it's like a you basically take a, make a quesadilla, uh-huh. right? There's the cheese between the two, and then you fold it in and put the taco stuff inside. Okay, very delicious. I had one just this week, and I might have I might go and have some today. Oh, I think that's a great idea. I'm ready to celebrate. I well, it turns out 19 out of every 20 people are actually down with tacos. So <laughs> down with tacos. That, I'm quoting. Was that, was I'm that quoting. the survey question? <laughs> yeah. I, hello. I'd like to know. Would you like to take a survey? Yes. Are you yeah. are you down with tacos? Well, <laughs> the 20th person just didn't understand what that meant. <laughs> yeah. That, and, and the joke that's here too is it says taco about a unifier. <laughs> what? Well, because 19 out of every 20 people. So taco about a unifier because we're unified in our <laughs> love for tacos. Wow. That, okay. Hey, it's a long way around. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. What kind of taco are you going to have today, Joel? I'm probably going to have some rolled tacos. Mm-hmm. Also, that's my favorite. Do we call those taquitos? Uh, or do we only call yes, taquitos? No, I think taquitos is a, a thing. I'm, and those are fried. And so are the rolled tacos. But the place I go to here right down the street is mm-hmm. they call them rolled tacos. So Okay. Interesting. I'm going with some rolled. Five rolled. I'll probably get the supreme with the guacamole, the lettuce, the mm-hmm. sour cream, all the tomatoes, all that kind of thing. Excellent. It'll be good. All righty. Go out and enjoy your tacos. We'll see ya. All right. So last week... Yeah, we are not last week. I always say last week and it's not a week. My kids are always like, we don't have class tomorrow. It's Saturday. <laughs> no. Okay. In our last episode of the podcast, we talked about how the, the 2023 CPM teacher conference registration yep. is open. Yep. So it is, it's still open and you can get the early bird discount until November 15th. We okay. highly recommend the early bird discount. You save $75 on the conference and $75 on a pre-conference if you register for both. We want to talk a little bit more this time about some of the pre-conference options. So we're going to do that with an elevator talk. Yeah, that'll be great. Yeah, we've invited one of the facilitators for each of the pre-conference options to uh, do a little elevator talk for you about their session, about their pre-conference session. So um, we're going to do four of them this week and three of them next week. Okay. All right, here we go. Let's listen. Hello, my name is Nicole Gorgas, and I live in Victoria, Minnesota. I am one of the presenters for um, the conference session, Supporting Students with Identified Exceptionalities in a CPM Classroom. This is a session for any educators working with students with identified exceptionalities, hoping to bring some access to problem solving and supporting productive struggle for these students, and really to explore some ideas around co-teaching and IEP goals. Hope to see you there. Hi, my name is Bree, and I'd like to invite you to join us for a one-day pre-conference session at the CPM National Conference called Activating Agency for Emerging Multilingual Learners. We know multilingual learners thrive through mathematics that is meaningful, relevant, and accessible in a safe space. This session will provide an opportunity for participants to engage in productive struggle 
experience mathematics as an emerging multilingual learner, and reflect on the strategies used to position multilingual learners for success. Some of the practices that we'll explore include amplification, positioning, lesson planning, language routines, vocabulary support, and feedback. Hope to see you there. Hi there, it's Ashley Boyd from Nesbitt, Mississippi. I'm a professional learning specialist for CPM. We will be hosting the Foundations for Coaching event at our pre-conference. We'll spend the day defining yourself as a coach, reflecting on your beliefs, and collaborating with other coaches. We will go over a structure to support your vision for coaching at your school, and we'll also give you time to practice that structure throughout the day. This will help you gain confidence so you can start to really create a vision for what this looks like at your school. Hope to see you there. Hi, my name is Teresa Riley, and I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. I'm going to be one of the presenters for the pre-conference session on Building on Foundations, which is a deeper dive into the Foundations for Implementation series, so it would be for teachers who have already started teaching CPM. We are going to explore at a much greater depth mathematical storyline, sharing math authority, and collaborative classrooms. So we hope to see you there. This will also give you an idea of your next steps for your learning journey. Last episode, we started a conversation with Pam Seda, and we learned a little bit about the ICU Care framework for helping teachers help students. And we ended with part one, and this episode, we're going to continue the conversation with part two. Enjoy. Retain the material because they have something to connect it to. Uh, are are there any, um, I guess, strategies that you would recommend with this framework, or like to implement it? So. Every principal has several strategies we list in the book, right? So there, there are a lot of concrete strategies. And so we share these strategies to kind of not say that you have to do everything that we've done, but to kind of really illustrate what this principle looks like. And what you'll find is as you begin doing some of these strategies that we talk about that illustrate these principles, it'll make you think of others, right? And then you'll, you'll start creating other ones. So an example of releasing control is that, you know, releasing that idea that if I don't tell them, they won't get it. (laughs) We give a strategy of doing card sorts and giving them the concepts. One of the concepts that I, one of the way I like presenting concepts is using multiple representations, representing verbally, algebraically, numerically, and graphically. And so giving them cards where you have a verbal, algebraic, numerical, and graphical representation and maybe giving them three or four sets and letting them do the matching and have them connect the concepts in the ways that make sense to them. And when I've done this activity with teachers, it's really interesting to see them think about where did they start? Did they start with the verbal? Did they start with the algebraic? Did they start with the numerical? Did they start with the, the graphical, the picture? And they all have different reasons why they start in different places because they have strengths in certain areas, 
right? And so I know my language arts people who have done these activities, they often start with the verbal because that's what they're comfortable with the words. And my visual, my artistic people will start with the picture. And then I have found that, you know, my high school math teachers, those who have that good, that great content, they always start with the algebra because that's what they're comfortable with. And when you provide activities for them to engage in the math where there's multiple entry points and people can start with the representation that they're more comfortable with, then you see so much more mathematics that they're able to demonstrate. So kind of how I say it is you're able to uncover everyone's brilliance. And unfortunately, traditionally, our math classes have been gatekeepers and we've used them to sort kids. We've used them to say who's worthy and who's not worthy of going to the next level. And what I say is to make our classes more equitable is our job is not to sort kids, but it should be to figure out how to uncover everyone's brilliance because everyone has some brilliance. And our job is to figure out how to uncover it. Yeah. Beautifully said. So, so as teachers were, if they're working with this framework, is this the kind of thing that, like, I know you were saying we can only focus on one or two things at a time. So is it, is it a kind of framework where they would implement each of these things all the way down, all the way through ICU care? So starting with the I and then the C and so on, or could they like sort of, oh, I'm going to start in this one first. Yeah, I say start with what you're comfortable with. Now, when when I've done workshops and I've taken school districts through and they've asked me, you know, is there a sequence? And I said, well, usually I start with be critically conscious because that kind of lays the foundation of why we're doing what we do. Talk about that one some more. What is be critically? Can you explain that one a little bit? So be critically conscious is taking the time to understand how stereotypes impact students from marginalized groups and then acting on it and, and doing something to help your students overcome those negative stereotypes. And so I, I oftentimes start there because there are a lot of people who just say, well, if I just love all my students or I see them all the same, you know, I don't see color, all my kids' students are the same, then they don't really understand why we even need an equity framework. And so this critical conscious piece helps teachers understand there are stereotypes out there that we have nothing to do with, that we've never, we might not have had anything to create them, but we're still impacted by them. We're all impacted by them in some way, shape or form, because we live in this society and we breathe in stereotypes. And so there, because of those stereotypes, we make assumptions either consciously or unconsciously. And that impacts our students. It impacts our interactions with our students. It also impacts how our students have experienced the world, how they've experienced education even before they came to us. And so we need to be aware of that, be aware of how these stereotypes impact kids. And then it's not good enough just to be aware of it. We have to commit to helping our students overcome that. And it's not about rescuing them. It's not about us being the messiah, having a messiah complex and say, we're going to save all our kids from themselves or we're not going to rescue them from their neighborhoods. It's about being strategic, about empowering them and giving them the tools to overcome those stereotypes. And so that's why I say that's a good place to start. And then oftentimes the next thing I'll do is I'll say, okay, well now what are we giving our students to do? What are the tasks? So then I'll go to use culturally relevant curricula. And then I'll say, okay, so now once we have a, have a task, 
How do we implement that? Those are instructional pieces. And so I say include others as experts, assess, activate, and build on prior knowledge and releasing control are the instructional pieces around implementing those culturally relevant tasks. And then I say understanding your students well and expect more. That's the glue that holds it all together that none of it works without these two. If you don't understand your students well, if you don't have high expectations, none of the other stuff works. So that's just kind of a way of how I've helped teachers think about it. And as you're helping teachers also, one thing that stuck out to me is on the homepage of your website, it says that you're changing students' experience math through professional development. And that was really powerful to me, like thinking about how are you empowering teachers and how are you helping teachers? So in your experience, what how does professional development helping students succeed at math? Well, one of the things I understand is that we are asking teachers to teach in ways that they've never experienced themselves, which is really kind of impossible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's very unrealistic to expect us to teach as teachers. Okay, we want you to teach in this way. We know you never experienced it. You're not really quite sure. You kind of have an idea about what we're talking about, but not sure because you haven't really experienced. Now go in and do this. And it's it's just not very realistic. Professional learning is an opportunity to firstly get teachers to think about how instruction might be different, right? That's That's the first stage. It's like, how might instruction be different than what I've experienced? I know that most teachers I know especially math teachers know that the way we've been doing it is not working. Like 99.9% of the teachers I know already know that, but they don't know anything different. And so I think that's the first place is, is to give them information about how might it be different. But secondly, it's help them experience it as learners. When I find that teachers engage in environments where they're affirmed, where they have a chance to be engaged in meaningful ways. When they feel empowered, they want the same thing for their students. Mm. They, they want, when they, they were just like, oh my gosh, I engaged, I solved this problem. I feel really smart. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel really smart because I figured out, I engaged in this productive struggle and I figured out how to do this and I was supported and I didn't feel dumb and stupid. I didn't, I wasn't made to feel like I was less than, you know, I was, I was valued and my thoughts were valued and I got to contribute to the knowledge of the group. And when I felt that teachers want to do the same thing for their students. And so that's how I think that through professional learning, we can help students experience mathematics different. I I think that's such a powerful thing to think about as a teacher you know, having that experience, even, even if you're like, I'm not sure I can do this. I feel, I might feel frustrated in the middle of it. I, but I got through it. And then that like, ah, and, and recognizing that every one of your students can have that experience, right? Deserves to have that experience and, and, and really believing that they can, right? There's such a mindset shift that I think is really important to help teachers sometimes work through themselves of that every one of their students does have ability. We get so used to looking at 
what they're not doing, right? I mean, it's just part of our evolution, right? To look what's not there and what figuring out what's what's part lacking. Of the mm-hmm. sorting mechanism that yeah. our schools have been structured to do. Right, right. They've right. been yeah. structured to sort kids. And how do you sort them? Well, these kids know this and these kids don't. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And and how to flip that into looking at what are they what what are they doing? What can they do? What is happening? Okay, great. They can't do this part yet, right? And and just sort of going all right, you know, yep, they can't do that. Why would I expect them to walk into algebra and be able to do that? I ha- they haven't had that experience yet. So let's move from where they are and into what, into more. Through, through the professional development and uh, that teachers are experiencing and helping with students learning math, one thing you said is about our sorting and about our putting students in special places that rather than just letting them learn and be equitable. Do you see in the schools that you work with at all uh, success with the institutions themselves, I guess? Like, do you, do you see a change when teachers are learning differently? Do those institutions change with them? I'm still hopeful. I'm still okay. waiting to see that. <laughs> That's why uh, me too. I still do me the too. work that I do. <laughs> yeah. yes. I'm still hopeful. I just... I think as long as standardized testing is driving, continues to drive that sorting mechanism, I just think that we have to find better ways to measure what matters mm-hmm. rather mm-hmm. than measure what's easy. That's true. Love that. And multiple, multiple choice tests are easy to measure whether a person can get right answers or not, but it doesn't measure true understanding. It doesn't measure mathematical power. It measures a lot of test taking skills. <laughs> right. It doesn't. To me, it doesn't measure what really matters. And and I, I honestly think that teachers can do that best and they need to be encouraged and given the freedom to be able to find ways, not only for them to measure, but have students measure. Like the power of students knowing where they are regarding a certain concept and them being able to say, oh, I've learned, I've grown this is where I am at and this is what I need to do next because I think honestly that's how real life is you know when you get out of k-12 experience or get out of college there's no you're not getting grades anymore it's you know how do you know that you're finished with a report your boss doesn't stand over there and tell you that you're finished with the report you have to know did I did I get the job done do I, I have to be able to assess is is this finished? And that might involve asking some questions, finding some help, getting some, you know, doing all kinds of different things to figure Testing out. Testing yeah. some things and seeing here, you know, let me, let me come up with this draft and kind of do a little test and see what happens and get some feedback and then make some adjustments. And I mean, that's how life right. works. Yeah. I used to tell my kids all the time that it was more important for them to know if they understood it than for me to know if they understood it. Absolutely. And for them to know what they didn't understand. Right. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. And so then learning really is becomes its own reward. You know, learning really does become its own reward. And unfortunately, we've created this system where learning may happen. (laughs) But for the most part, students, especially by the time they get to high school, they're playing the game of school. Oh, yeah. And learning, it takes such a backseat to getting grades and playing the politics of school. So true. Well, we'll keep trying to change the teaching and do what we can to move the institution forward. But there are so many teachers out there 
in spite of the system, who really want to do better. Oh, absolutely. And those are the people I want to support. Mm-hmm. You know, hopefully if we get enough enough of those in one school and one place who are really doing these things in their classrooms, then maybe we can change a school and then maybe we can change a system. But I still think the real change happens at the teacher level. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. Because it's all about relationships. Yeah, in those individual interactions. It sure is. Well, Pam, thank you so much for being with us here today. Yeah, thank you. We're going to be sure to put in the description for the show today um, how people can get a hold of you. I know you have a Twitter and you have a website, and we'll put all those things in there. So if people want to follow up and and follow your what you're putting out there, they'll be able to find you and access that information. So we sure appreciate it. Thank you so much for inviting me. I I always look for an opportunity to talk about math yeah. equity and yeah. things that I'm so passionate about. So thank you for giving me this opportunity. Well, we sure appreciate your passion. Absolutely. We feel the passion. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's palpable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. So that's a wrap for this episode of the More Math for More People podcast. For more information and to stay connected, you can find CPM on both Twitter and Facebook. The music for the podcast was created by Julius H. and can be found on pixabay.com. Join us for the next episode of More Math for More People. What day will that be, Joel? It's going to be October 18th, which is National Chocolate Cupcake Day. It's not National Chocolate Cake Day. It's not National Hot Chocolate Day. It's not National Cupcake Day, but it's National Chocolate Cupcake Day. Cupcakes in general have been around for centuries, and I do love a good cupcake. Something about the cupcake to me just really sits well. It's like a smaller bite, not intimidating. They're kind of acute or attractive, right? I love to make a good cupcake. I don't have any funny recipes to share this time, but maybe some listeners will share. to hear what uh, Misty has to say as well as uh, our discussion.